Hey, it's John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and it's The Entrepreneurial You, the show for dedicated and passionate Caribbean entrepreneurs seeking daily inspiration, brought to you by author, speaker, and award-winning entrepreneur, Henneka Wakis-Porter. You must be prepared to ignite. Hey there. Hey there, folks. It is that time again. I'm your host, the one and only Henneka Wakis-Porter, bringing you Another jam-packed episode of the Entrepreneur You podcast. Shout out to all my regular listeners. You guys rock for sure. And a big warm welcome to all my first timers out there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Last week, I had a blast chatting with Alyssa Marshall. And she's a mastermind behind Owlish. And if you missed it, be sure to catch up. It was a hoot. But today, I've got a real treat in store for you. And get this, my next guest has managed to bag a staggering $12.8 million in VC funding for her digital tax assistant tool. And she's only one of 10 Black women to hit the $10 million mark. Can you say girl power? Yes, <laughs> I am saying girl power. So before we get into that juicy conversation, I want to give a shout out to our awesome sponsors and in particular, the Jamaica Stock Exchange, who, you know, they've been with me over the years, has been supporting my venture, supporting this podcast. So we want to pause right now and allow them to have a word. We needed to raise capital, but our experience with local financial institutions was that they were cautious and slow to act and interest rates were far too high. We had real concerns about financing our business through outside equity investors and the possibility of interference. Could we get a fair valuation for our business? We had our own ideas about the business and its value. Should I go the traditional route of bank financing or should I try the Jamaica Stock Exchange? So we made a call and experienced transformation of our business through conversations. I'm John Mafood, CEO of Jamaican Teas, and we're listed on the Jamaica Stock Exchange. Give us a call today at 876-967-3271 to begin your transformation through conversation. We want to see your company listed on the Jamaica Stock Exchange. All right, so now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's get down to business and introduce our amazing guest. Are you ready? Let's go let's go let's go so my guest on episode 313 of the entrepreneur new podcast is shiloh johnson msd cpa and she's a founder and ceo of compliant a technology platform offering small business owners and entrepreneurs a simple way to manage their business taxes Rooted in the understanding that taxes can cause small business owners a lot of stress and anxiety and create barriers for small or underrepresented entrepreneurs. Compliance mission is to to ensure that small businesses of all colors, shapes and backgrounds have access to effective tax support. Shiloh has raised, as you've heard in the introduction before the preamble, she has raised $12.8 million in venture capital funding for her digital tax assistant tool, making her one of only 10, yes, one of only 10 Black women to raise $10 million plus in funding. 
Welcome, Shiloh. It is such a pleasure to have you on. I feel like I'm in the presence of great company. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Absolutely. So tell me now, this is your past, right? If you don't get this question right, we go no further with the conversation, okay? So okay. <laughs> what do you know about Jamaican culture? Oh, God. I know. Jerk Chicken, uh, Usain Bolt. Uh, Jerk Chicken, Usain Bolt. Uh huh. Um, Bob Marley. Uh huh. <laughs> it's limited. It's limited. But I had vacation there multiple times. It's a beautiful country. Oh, well. Oh, oh my gosh. Like, you get a pass. Like, come to the front of the class, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now that we've got that out of the way, which is like, it's a must, yeah? It's your entry exam. Let's talk about, you know, simplifying small business tax management. And I must caution my global listeners that this conversation um, and, and information therein comes from the perspective of the United States, although um, a lot of it can be extrapolated to other areas. But I must say, not all tax, um, tax laws are going to be the same everywhere. So let me just put that out there. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, so tell us about your background, um, Shiloh, and what led you to create compliance. And I love how it is spelled, C-O-M-P-L-Y-A-N-T, capital Y-A-N-T, compliance. Yeah. Right. What led you? Tell us your background and what led you to start compliance. Yeah, um, so I've spent 13, maybe now 14 years in corporate tax accounting in the U.S. Traditionally, if you have large corporations and you have all these tax functions like sales tax, income tax, payroll tax, it's usually housed by one group of people that run all of that for the corporations and all its sub-entities. So I was a part of a team for like three or four companies that did that work all across the country and a lot of times globally, depending on where we, the company. And so... When I was there with them, I was doing a lot of like what they call new lines of business tax research. So I had to determine every time the business was going to start a new thing, I had to determine what was like what they were responsible for in terms of tax for this new thing they were going to start. So I took that when I left corporate and I started my own small bit, my own small tax practice. I was trying to figure out how small businesses were doing that work, like who was helping them figure out all of the tax types they were responsible to pay. And I quickly figured out that it's no one, not even CPA firms do what is called full scale tax compliance. They usually only handle one very specific like area. Maybe they handle income tax and maybe they handle sales tax and then nothing else. And there's nowhere where a business, especially a new business, could figure out, okay, I'm selling shoes in Nevada now. What do I do? What am I supposed to pay? What am I responsible for? Am I going to get hit with fees if I don't do this? And the problem is, if you don't learn this as a business, later on, the state or the city or the IRS comes to you and they say, hey, you never paid this. Here's, you know, a bill for the last five years of tax you never paid. And it's like, you know, $500,000 or some crazy amount. And I've seen it bankrupt companies. I've seen it just crumble bottom lines of companies that were doing initially really well because it just didn't make room for it. And so in that space, I was like, there's got to be a better place to start for the small business to get an understanding of all the things they need to take care of based on what they do and where they're doing it. And so that was the birth of Compliant. That was 2019. 
Uh, we capitalize the why because that's just our company reminder of who we're here to serve. And ultimately, we're here for you, the small business owner, the person that is getting up every day and trying to make it work for themselves and building this thing that uh, is growing legs and they're able to make their own money in their own lives. And we just want to be beside them and supporting them. So Awesome. I'm happy that you were able to take your corporate um, you know, knowledge experience and turn yeah. that into a business. So what are some of the biggest challenges you find that small businesses, um, small business owners, you know, uh, face as they manage their um, taxes when it comes to managing their taxes? Yeah. So a lot of times small businesses are usually like party of one. So maybe they maybe they have someone like part time helping them for a few hours a week, but mostly it's just them wearing multiple hats. And so in the course of a day, you have to try and determine what you're going to spend your time worrying about. And oftentimes tax just takes a back seat, takes a back seat. And so it's a lot of times it's the juggling. So trying to make sure like, did I pay this thing and I forgot to pay it? And then I also have to do branding and then I also have to do social media. And then I also have to do all these other things to like get the business going forward. And operationally tax is just a requirement in the back burner that people just kind of keep shoving back. But shoving it back is really expensive because you get late penalties and interest that just accrues for non-payment. And so um, that's a huge one. It's just the amount of time and like money waste for not just staying present with it. Um, another mistake I see is sometimes businesses will co-mingle their funds. So they'll get their money into their personal bank account, even though it's for their business. Um, and it's really important that business owners start to think about their businesses like a business, even if you're just side hustling, even if you're just like, I just got this hobby that I'm kind of selling. It's not even really a business. I don't need to do all of that. But the moment that you sell something like a service, a product, that you sell it yourself and not under the guise of another company, then you now become a business owner. What you call yourself doesn't matter, but in the eyes of the IRS, you're a business owner now. And the tax code in America is written in favor of small businesses. So you're missing out on opportunities that you could take by not treating your business like a business. So that's another big one. Sometimes people just get like, well, if it makes enough money, I'll, I'll like incorporate. No, no, no. <laughs> Three All things right. you should do immediately. <laughs> no, do that. <laughs> you said something which is pretty um salient that you know the, the, yeah. the tax laws in America favors small business. Um, they do. Do expand a little bit on that, and and I and I asked this against the backdrop that a lot of Caribbean entrepreneurs, business owners, are desirous yeah. of you know registering businesses in the U.S. So just expand yeah. on that a little more for me. Yeah, yeah. So um, if you think about the U.S. like, uh, a, you know, it's held up by its tax money, various other things, but also its tax money. And in America, um, tax is location based. So where you live matters a lot to what you will pay. And there are levels to who you pay that tax to. In most countries and in most other areas, probably only one person or one entity, one government authority you're going to end up paying tax to. In America, that's not true. There are multiple. So there is your local government to so the city or township where you reside. You pay them something like a business license or a local business tax. There's the county where you're probably going to pay a property tax or a business personal property tax. Then there's the state. You're going to pay the state a series of taxes and fees. And then there's the federal government. You're going to pay them also. So all of these tiers are opportunities for different tax, like government authorities, to collect some kind of revenue. A lot of states 
purely function on sales tax revenue. Like Texas, their bread and butter, you know, Florida, their bread and butter, California bread and butter is localized state tax. So when the small business starts up and they legitimize their business and they make a lot of money and they comply with the rules, the states get to collect that money and they're happy. They don't want you to not be a small business. They want you to be a business. That's why there's so many deductions that you can take when you're a small business. There are so many grants. There are so many favorable credits. Um, there's so many things you can take as a small business owner, especially if you have employees, even one employee, because they want you to continue pumping money back into the taxing system, along with pumping money into the economy. So if you make shoes and now you have more revenue, you can now buy more things, which keeps the economy circling. They want these small businesses. When you're um, a person that works at W-2, you just go to your job and work your job. The likelihood that you're going to go and, and consume more is smaller because usually you tend to like save, you conserve because your income is limited. But when you work for yourself, your income is as much as you can hold. And so there tends to be more money, more revenue, more ability to pay tax at all of the levels I mentioned. And so they write a lot of code to encourage people to start more businesses. So in addition to, you know, the things that um, compliant uh, does, and we're going to get into some of that, yeah. is, is is registering business um, something that you undertake, like from other territories? Let's say I have a business and I want it registered in the U.S. Is that something you undertake? We don't actually register the business, but we guide you to figuring out how to register it yourself. We find mm -hmm. it cheaper that way. It's really easy. People mm -hmm. think that the tax process is super hard. It's not as hard as you think. Um, and so we show up to just kind of hold your hand along the way. We tell you all the steps, where to go. We remind you when stuff's due. And now we're getting into budgeting and savings. We're going to start filing and payments. So we just want to kind of simplify the whole process for the small business owner. Yeah. I think we need to talk beyond this podcast and we'll be talking beyond this podcast, but, but let's move on. <laughs> so how does compliance technology platform help small business owners manage their yeah. taxes more effectively? Exactly. So what we do is let's say you're a new business and you log on to our platform or even any business, old, new, anything, and you tell us what you do you know, what your business is, where you're operating that business at, if you have employees or not, um, just some simple questions. And then from there, our algorithm returns back to you what tax types apply to you and where. And then we calendar those out for the entire year. So if you have to pay sales tax in Nevada and California, and if you have to maintain an annual report and a business license and a fire permit, we calendar all of that out for you for the entire year so that you don't forget what to do and that you can get started. And then including in those calendar reminders are little tips to help you understand how to do each of these things about how much you can expect to pay, which is our budgeting system. So we start to take in your revenue and tell you, okay, based on how much money you're moving every quarter, this is about how much these bills are gonna be that are due this quarter, you might wanna start saving. And then we start thinking about how to help you save by tucking away money in these separate wallets so that when the bills come due, you actually have money to pay them and you're not you know, trying to rob Peter to pay Paul. Um, as we, we say, so that's kind of how we think about it. The next phase of the product and what we're getting into this year is figuring out how to take the next step of actually filing and paying these taxes for you so that with just a few clicks, you can answer some questions, your bills get paid and you don't even have to leave the platform. 
sounds sounds really really good so it's really good i like i like what i've heard so far now can you walk us through that fundraising uh fundraising process for compliance and what strategies do you use to secure this 12.8 million in vc funding hello (laughs) (laughs) i know it's Cha-ching, ching. Um, yes, I totally can. So fundraising, venture fundraising is, uh, it's like this very weird dance between here's my business and I hope you like my idea. And like, here's me as a person. I hope you think I can build it. And your entire time in trying to, you know, woo investors to invest is you're trying to hold some balance of the two. Is my business good enough? And do you think I can take it to the stratosphere? And so a lot of that lives within you, the business owner, and your ability to convince the interested investor that you have the next best thing and why they need to bet on you. So I, for anyone who's listening is ever interested in investment in the U.S., read as many books as you possibly can. Um, a really good, there's a few of them that I like a lot that I have up here. One of them is called Venture Deals. Read, read, read. Um, it will give you, I think, the layout for how you can start to galvanize your round, but also just start to network. If you're shy and you're like, I don't want to talk to people, which was me, I am naturally very shy. I don't like talking to people. Um, And I just had to break out of that. And I had to start attending events and getting to know people because what we miss or we don't realize is investors are really investing in you and they want to get to know you as the business owner. Are you capable? Can you do it? They don't really know you that well, and they've got all this money and these checks to write, and odds are you don't come from the same circles they come from. So they're trying to, as a minority, figure out what do you have going that we should believe in and galvanize around. So you've got to be present. You've got to show up at events they're at. You've got to go have coffee. You've got to have dinner. You've got to get to know them. You've got to take multiple meetings before you ever even raise the round. Um, that's one thing I think people don't take enough credit or they take for granted is we don't do enough relationship building. And then when we're, t- we're asking for something, we're just hand out, give me the thing. But relationship building is the door, is the gateway to getting the thing, right? Whether it's investments or loans or whatever it is you're trying to do, spend more time building relationships. If you're a small business owner, build relationships with the bank that you live near, local banking relationships. Go in there, you know, bring them coffee sometimes, get to know them, let them get to know your business, talk to them, even just in a casual capacity so that they start to see you. They start to see the success of your business and they start to become familiar with what you're doing. From that space, it becomes a whole lot easier to say, hi, I need $10 million, (laughs) which is hard to do when you're like, I know you don't know me, you've never seen me before, but cut the check. It's a bit tough. You're saying it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, you're seeing this logo in the background here, Patois Apparel, and you think this business is still in operation. It's not, but it's the business that people know me for, for over the years. Mm-hmm. And and there are just so many things, like, what part of you want it to not do it, but then there's a part of you that's saying, hey, you've got to, you know, reinvent and come again. And so I've identified ways to do that, but that's another program for sure. Let's continue to celebrate you and what you have been able to accomplish, Shiloh. So as one of only 10 Black women to raise over $10 million in funding, and we're talking U.S. guys, my Caribbean peeps, I'm talking U.S. dollars here. What what advice uh, would you give to to other underrepresented um, entrepreneurs looking to secure funding for their own startups? Yeah, Um, this is going to be a really unconventional answer, but uh, the advice I would give is spend a lot of time working on yourself. 
which is not like, right. You're like, why would I work on myself? I'm trying to get money because your ability to present yourself confidently, securely, clearly, it, that's your entire fundraising strategy. If I'm not able to convince you that I am brilliant and confident, I know what the heck I'm doing. I'm going to take it to billions and beyond. That starts with you. If you struggle with your self-confidence, if you struggle with imposter syndrome, if you struggle with knowing who you are or being able to articulate what you're trying to do clearly, if you feel shy, if you're insecure, any of these things will affect your ability to stand in front of billionaires, multimillionaires, or large funds and say, I am the one and you better know it. And if you don't know it and you sleep on me, you're going to regret it. Like you have to enter the room with that kind of, and it's not even you know, bravado or masculinity. It's just confidence. It's just knowing yourself so well and being able to clearly lay out the path that I think is where we struggle as minorities. It's like, we have ideas for days. We are so stinking creative. We got stuff pouring out of our veins. I have talked to some of the most brilliant minorities who are building phenomenal things and probably will never see outside investment because the relationship for what it takes to get people to believe in that dream, it starts with you. And a lot of us haven't done that work to like, if you don't believe in it, if you're walking in the room like, well, I hope it's good. The investor's like, no, thanks. <laughs> it better be good. Not I hope, right? That's why you see sometimes like a lot of mediocre ideas getting funded or people who are like not really doing much. And they're like, ah, they're getting all this money. A, you know, obviously race. But the other reason is they're so confident. You can't help but to believe them. They're like, yeah, I'm going to make this, you know, I'm going to be a trillionaire. I'm the next Bill Gates. I'm the next Elon Musk. And they're so convincing. And here we're like making ourselves small and meek and like, please invest. And I hope my idea is good. And will you please take a meeting? And we're always coming from the space of like, please, please, please. And I think we have to shift the dynamic into the space of like, you can if you want to. If you sleep on it, that's your loss. I'm still going to be great. I'm still going to yeah, make it. Yeah, because you, you, you need better me. get on board. You need me. Yeah. You need me. I don't need you. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Exactly yeah, right. I like exactly right. Exactly. And the confidence. And there is this, it seems, uh, delicate dance between the, the, the femininity that you need to display and the confidence, which is often not seen as being feminine enough because you're too confident, you're yeah. too arrogant, you're, you're, you're walking on, you know, in the role of a man. Talk to us about that. I think such a beautiful example of this, and I know people are going to know what I'm saying when I say this, is like, if you think about Beyonce as the performer and the artist, she's a great example of that. If you watch any of her footage where she's just like talking behind the scenes or she's putting together a tour or she's like giving directions, she's not being nasty. She's not cussing anybody out. She's just being very clear and very direct. She's still in her feminine energy. She's still soft. She's still herself. She's still true to herself. She's not in there barking like a man or trying to like change up so people respect her. She's still herself and she's still giving clear direction. And I think that's the thing that we um, forget. Be yourself, right? Like you're a Caribbean woman. Don't come and try to like make yourself have an American accent. Be a Caribbean woman. I, that like be yourself. We don't have to try and fit into molds they've made because we can't. No matter how hard we try, we can't. My skin is still black. Your skin is still black. Like, but it, when you honor yourself and you say, hey, I'm still me, I, you know, this is what I was doing. This is who I am. This is what I'm like. Maybe you come into the meeting and you're bringing them food that's not to your country or you're bringing them pastries that you love or something that is honoring who you are. 
you bring them into the uniqueness of you and they like that. They respect that you know yourself and you don't have to compromise by walking in with a pop, like a suit on and sneakers and trying to talk like the boys and yeah, yeah, bro. You don't have to do that. And they look at you kind of crazy like, why are you doing that? It's not necessary. Yeah, they talk about that. Like, I, I just had a random memory, right? So when I used to, just very yeah. random, when I used to be in procurement in, in corporate, I remember yeah. a company out of the U.S. we worked with in my, you know, in, in the procurement department. One time mm-hmm. they sent us, um, like, cake, you know, in a nice little plastic container. I'm like, it was so odd to me at the time because as a Caribbean woman, as a Jamaican person, yeah. You know, we're so skeptical of people giving us food. Like, we don't eat from any anybody. That's how we put it, right? And so when yeah, like, yeah. We, we had to like, oh my gosh, no, it's coming from a good place. It's fine. It's fine. And we had it and the cake was yeah. lovely. <laughs> 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 All right. See? <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along, Shiloh. So how has compliance evolved um, since, you know, getting funding? And what are some of the plans that you have for the future? Yeah, so the one thing that investment allows you to do is move faster. So we weren't necessarily talking about stuff that like, you don't get to start, right? Like you don't get to start when people give you investment, you should already have started, especially if you're a minority, like we don't get the luxury of coming in with an idea on a piece of paper and someone just throws billions of dollars at you. It doesn't work like that. So you obviously are already moving forward. You probably got a little bit of traction. And so when we took that investment in, it allowed me to just put that money to work immediately. We were able to grow really fast. So in the last two years, we've hired now 45 employees. Uh, We have three interns, four interns, and we are just what we say is heads down building is what we're focused right now is we've got to get the product to a more progressive point, what we call growth stage, because the next round of funding we're going to raise is going to be a growth round. And so the product and the traction has to be comparable to the to the investment we're expecting. And so right now my goal is let's get the company where it needs to be so that when we go out to raise again, we can command a certain dollar amount and we have the traction to show that. So that's all of the energy right now is how do we get ourselves from this moment to the next moment? And the way we think about the next moment is we call it a few clicks to compliance. We want to make it so, so simple for small businesses to just answer a text. Hey, your business license is due. Do you want us to pay it for you? Yes. Hey, it's time for your income tax. Let's put some money away. Is it okay if we transfer this money? Yes. We want to integrate into the small business owner's life so seamlessly that all they have to do is say yes or no, and they can move on with their day. Um, And that's how we're thinking about the next year, year and a half. It's like, how do we take all these complex situations that happen in the U.S. tax and streamline and simplify them way, 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 way down? So that's where we're going to put the money is hiring the talent to help continue to build that out so we can really next level this process. I feel like I want you to be my new best friend. Um, I I don't know. I'm sending out my application. Yeah, like for real. (laughs) <laughs> uh, we <Yeah>. have <laughs> we have Kayon Vaz on LinkedIn and she's saying very good points. Thank you for tuning Thank in, you. Kayon. It's a pleasure to have you. Now, I want to know from you, you know, being in this fintech industry, what do you see as the, the biggest um, trends and challenges facing yeah. your industry in the next few years? And yeah. how is compliance positioned to address them? 
I love this question. So I'm seeing two things that are happening everywhere. I'm sure everyone's hearing it is lots of conversations about AI, artificial intelligence. So everyone's trying to figure out how to change their platform from whatever they were doing before to some AI integrated thing. Um, I'm not super trendy, so I'm never going to follow the trends if it makes sense for us to do and we could integrate it and and the technology is far enough along that we're not using our customers as guinea pigs, then we definitely can make a plan to do it. But the tricky part about tax for us is it accuracy and ethical you know, balance is top priority. We can't in integrate anything that's in test space because we sacrifice the accuracy of our small businesses. And when it comes to tax, we can't make any mistakes. So we tend not to do too, too much in the trendy side of things. Um, but we definitely have kind of our ear to the street to figure out how we can potentially integrate ChatGPT or any other AI functions that could make sense as the technology progresses and matures. Another thing I'm seeing a lot about, um, I think at one point, the fintech industry was hugely saturated with like neo banks or digital banks. There is literally so many digital banks, it's unbelievable. Um, and there isn't a whole lot of focus on fraud protection. And so what I think is starting to happen, I think that's starting to shift. I think some of the banks, the ones that are not as large are starting to calm down or restructure, and they're starting to reposition that into more focus on security and SOC 2 compliance. Because if we don't get to a place where we can regulate um, fraud, then this is just going to get because the more technology integrated, the easier the fraud is to manipulate. And that's where we're seeing a lot of hiccup and headache. So I'm excited to see a lot of focus on SOC 2 compliance. And we've definitely been thinking about how we can make sure we're protecting our small businesses from any kind of fraud or issue there. So yeah, it's always about keeping your ear to the street. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Another final question to you um, is, how do you see compliance impacting the small business community in the long term? And what impact do you hope to have on the industry on a whole? Yeah, yeah. So there are very few Black women in FinTech. In fact, I think I've only ever met maybe three. Um, and we're talking about a massive industry with billions and billions, if not trillions of dollars invested and revenue made. And so there aren't very many of us. So as present as I can make myself, as loud and as large as I can make myself, as from a personal brand perspective is my goal for the next like near future and beyond, because I need the world, especially other little girls that look like me to see themselves in me. I should not be the only one in tech technology. I should not be the only one in FinTech most of the time. I, I go to events and I'm literally the only black person in the room, let alone like, you know, and now we're talking about massive rooms, massive conferences, and there are very, very, very few of us. And so I really want to break up that stigma about how we're not interested in being in that or that's not a field to be like, yes, I grew up in fintech, love money, love talking about money. Um, I've been in accounting all of my entire adult life. Like, I really think that um, me being present and compliant as a brand being present and run by a black woman is really important. Um, so I also think a lot about how we can get ourselves as high as humanly possible. So my North Star is NASDAQ. I want to go public in five to six years. I want to be a massive, massive, massive. I, I do. I do. I want to start acquiring other smaller companies. I want to start positioning ourselves as a really major player in the game in terms of just all things small business, business tax, accounting, bookkeeping, banking. I mean, anything and everything related to getting the small business through from formation all the way 
uh, through to the end to, to dissolution. And so that's how we're thinking about positioning ourselves. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm gunning for the big, the big guns. I'm gunning for the big guns because go small or go home. I also think even if it doesn't make sense for that to work long-term, it's definitely my goal and I'm positioning the company to do said thing. Whatever will happen in real time, I don't know, and I'll give that over to the creator, but um, I think that it's important to set lofty goals. Never just be thankful for scraps. You deserve the world. I'm so inspired by you, really. And <laughs> Thank I've had, you. I've, I've had a lot of amazing guests on this show, um, but there's just something about you that resonates with me, and particularly, maybe because it's where I'm thinking of going. But anyways, that's another story. But I am really, really inspired, and I'm, I'm happy that we connected. And as we are wrapping, please, Shiloh, share with us how our community might be in touch with you. And you also mentioned yeah. that you have some freebies, some coupon code thing that you get to give away so go ahead yeah yeah so personally you can find me on all platforms at my first name shiloh a johnson i am everywhere shiloh a johnson it's just easy um and then the company is everywhere compliant app and that's compliant with a y as you mentioned earlier compliant app on all platforms and then we do have a coupon code for listeners today it is e-n-t-y-o-u 23 and that will get you uh first two months free of the program um and it's a 20 dollars value and we really just want you to try it log in poke around let us know what you think some sauce my guest today has been shiloh johnson and you've heard all the amazing things that i've said about her in the beginning of course she is the ceo and founder of compliant and it's a technology platform offering small business owners and entrepreneurs a very simple way to manage their business taxes. And yes, we have said it, that is one of the biggest headaches for entrepreneurs. Nobody wants to deal with taxes. So we salute you, Shiloh, for making it simpler um, for many business owners. And I would have said before that, of course, this is um, predominantly uh, a content content that is relevant to the US in terms of um, you know the app. However, what was shared is repli uh, replicable and, and can be replicated across different territories. So take the points, take the inspiration. She's only one of 10 black women to raise over $10 million, 10 million USD people um in, in funding so let me just put it out there because even 10 million jamaican dollars would be something right but we're mm -hmm. talking about 10 million us dollars so multiply that by 155 and thank you thank you my community for tuning in to hope you enjoyed hearing about her experiences and insights and as we wrap we'd love to hear from you what was your standout moment from this episode what was it for you? I know that when Shiloh spoke about the confidence and how it is pretty much the main thing in getting funding, how it is that you're showing up. Are you showing up as if you're begging and you're, um, you, you're, you're in a pitiful state or you're presenting yourself as, hello, you need me as much as I need you, right? So confidence makes the whole lot of difference. So I want to hear what resonated with you the most. Please send me your feedback at henikawatkissporter at gmail.com or connect with us on social media at henikawatkissporter. We value your thoughts and opinions and look forward to hearing from you. And if you haven't already, be sure to follow this podcast on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. 
And if you're interested in all things podcasting, you can connect with me at hennikawakisporter.com. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you on the next episode. But first, here's according to the scriptures today. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord is good for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Isaiah 26 verse 3 to 4. What good 